So if you read our newsletter last week, you know that starting tomorrow, our DCE for Youth, Shannon Guzzi, is going to be on a sabbatical for the next three months. It's a wonderful opportunity, and I'm thankful to our, our personnel team and our session for approving this new policy. Shannon has worked here for 15 years, and this will be a chance for her to, to take a few months of, of rest. Sabbatical, you might have heard of that in different uh, contexts. At a university, sometimes professors go on a sabbatical to work on a book or to work on some research, or in other professions, people will, will go on sabbatical to try to fulfill a proficiency or something like that. But here in the church, sabbatical is directly linked to the word Sabbath. And that's where the word comes from. Sabbatical is, comes from the word Sabbath, which of course we know from the, the Genesis story, the story of creation, when God rested on the seventh day, the Sabbath day. God rested after working for six days and, and took that day, modeling for us what it means to, to rest ourselves. Believe it or not, it's sometimes hard to, to convince someone to, to rest like that, especially when they're used to working so hard like, like Shannon does. She, in fact, when she made her proposal, she gave to me a list of some 20-odd books I to read, and she talked about some of the classwork that she wanted to take. And I had to say, now remember, this is a sabbatical. You're supposed to rest. It's been hard for some church members as well. I had a few people reach out to me and say, well, what if the, the youth website goes down? Can we reach out to Shannon? And I said, no, she's on sabbatical. She's supposed to rest. Or what if there's problems with Montreat registration or, or with Mission Madness registration? And I said, no, she's on sabbatical. You can't rest. Well, maybe we, maybe we could just reach out to her and ask her to go to lunch with us or something like that, you know, just to catch up with her during these three months off. And I said, no, she's on sabbatical. She's supposed to rest. As I fielded those questions from people in our congregation, I started to have some sympathy for the Pharisees in our passage this morning. The Pharisees knew the law better than anyone, and they tried very hard to help people keep the law. And one of those laws, in fact, one of the Ten Commandments was all about Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. One of the Ten Commandments that we, we know and read and study all the time. And so they tried very hard to help the good Jewish people keep the Sabbath. And I can imagine people would come up to them at times and say, Hey, my neighbor next door is a little bit older and their yard looks terrible. Can I just take this day and go and help them clean up their yard? And they would say, No, it's the Sabbath. Or maybe someone else would say, if you just let me get a little bit ahead on my work this weekend, then my next week will be so much easier for me. And they would say, no, remember, it's the Sabbath. Or my aunt, who's a couple of towns over, is not feeling well, and I would love to just take her a pot of soup just to make sure she knows that she's loved and not forgotten. And they would say, no, remember, it's the Sabbath. Doing everything they can to try to help the people remember to keep the commandments that God had given to us. And then along comes Jesus. Jesus and the disciples on a Sabbath day reach out and pick a little bit of grain that they can eat and, and fill their bellies. And the disciples, or excuse me, the Pharisees say, wait a minute, it's the Sabbath, what are you doing? And then Jesus goes into a synagogue and he sees a man with a withered hand. And even though he knows it's going to make everybody angry, all those Pharisees angry, he, he heals this man. Even though it doesn't sound like it's a, a life-threatening illness, he heals this man. And the Pharisees say, wait a minute, it's the Sabbath. Don't you have respect for the laws of God? Now I have to believe 
that Jesus had as much respect for the law as anyone else. In fact, Jesus probably knew the law better than anyone else. He was not trying to disrespect the Sabbath or or say that the Sabbath doesn't matter in any way. I think what he was trying to tell us and teach the Pharisees was that the way the Pharisees understood the Sabbath was wrong. You see, the Pharisees understood the Sabbath as one of those ways that we prove our faithfulness to God by following those laws intently, following the letter of the law to prove our allegiance and to prove our faithfulness to God. After all, God has done so much for us. We prove our faithfulness by keeping those commandments, and that's why God gave them, at least according to the Pharisees. But I think Jesus saw the commandments in a different way. Jesus didn't just see the commandments and even the call to keep the Sabbath as some way that we prove our faithfulness to God, but he saw the Sabbath as a gift, a gift to each and every one of us to experience God in the midst of a busy world, to experience God when most of the days we're preoccupied with our to-do lists, the things that we are called to do. And so many of us who try to fill our lives with to-do lists, who try to keep up with those people around us, who don't want to waste any moment of the day, sometimes keeping the Sabbath feels like a chore to us, maybe even a punishment to us, to stop for just a moment and take a rest. That's like a chore or a punishment when we have things to do and places to go and things we want to accomplish. But in doing so, we miss out on the gifts that God has to give us when we take a Sabbath. Just a few weeks back, my sister-in-law sent us a picture of my niece and my nephew. They were in time out because they had broken some rules. They had taken a peanut butter butter and jelly sandwich and, and wiped it on the wall there and on this new freshly painted wall, which of course was against the rules. And so she took brother and sister by the hand and led them into one of the bedrooms and told them to sit there and have a a time out and think about what they did. She left them there for just a couple of minutes, not very long at all, and then after a, a little bit, just started to get a little bit worried about the silence that was coming from the other room. And so she peered around the corner to see what they were doing. And big sister had pulled out the bottom drawer of the dresser, and she and little brother were sitting there in the dresser drawer, looking at a book together, quietly, patiently waiting for mom to come back. Just a a beautiful, precious moment. This moment that was supposed to be punishment, or at least that's the way mom thought of it, it turned into a, a precious gift. A gift between brother and sister. A gift between parent and child. And a gift for all the family who got to see the pictures. That's what God intends those moments of rest, those moments of Sabbath to be. A gift in our lives where when the midst of this crazy, busy world, we have a moment to stop and think about what God is doing rather than always focusing on what we're doing. That's hard for us, I know. It's hard for us when we know we have so much we want to do, so much we want to accomplish. It's hard for us to think of the commandments as gifts from God rather than simply rules that God calls us to follow. I think that's what those Pharisees thought. The commandments are ways that we prove our faithfulness, that we prove what we believe. But more often than not, faith is not about proving what we believe, but it's about receiving the gift that God gives us. 
Barbara Brown Taylor tells a wonderful little story in one of her books. I've told you about her before. She's an Episcopal priest who for a long time served in a church, but then after a while decided she wanted to leave the church and go back into to academic ministry, and she became a seminary professor. She wrote this little book called Leaving Church where she described that decision, and she shares this little anecdote about it. She says, The parts of the Christian story that had drawn me into the church were not the believing parts, but the beholding parts. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Christian faith seemed to depend on beholding things that were clearly beyond belief. And I wanted out of that belief business and back into the beholding business. Well, could it be that we've lost our sense of beholding our ability to behold. Could it be that as human beings and even as Christians, we feel like our jobs in this life is to to fill up our days, to fill up every single moment as best we can. And sometimes that makes sense. After all, time is so fleeting. We don't want to waste a single moment of the precious time that God gives us. And yet when we do so, we stop and neglect the opportunity for God to work within us when we pause and when we rest and when we think about the work that God has called us to do. I've shared this little story with you years ago, I think, but uh, back when I was serving at the church in North Carolina, we got the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Peru, one of my favorite trips I've ever been on. And I was lucky enough to spend the time with a great little church down there and, and, and some members of my own church back in North Carolina. But like most Christians, especially American Christians who go on a mission trip, I wanted more than anything else to go and leave Peru in better shape than I found it. I wanted to work hard and, and let them know that we cared about them by the work that we did and help them accomplish things that they couldn't accomplish on their own. When we got there, we discovered that our our job was going to be to create and build these little pulpits, not quite this big, but pulpits about, you know, like a lectern size, and we were building them and painting them, and there were going to be pulpits for every single church in the presbytery, some 40-odd pulpits that we were supposed to make throughout the week. The problem was we were only working from breakfast to lunch, and in the afternoon they wanted us to just rest and spend time with the children and spend time with the members of the church there and just have cups of tea and enjoy our time. But after the first couple of days, it was clear that if we didn't work some in the afternoon, we weren't going to accomplish all that we were there to do. We weren't going to finish the job of making all of these pulpits and painting them. Every single day at lunch, they would call us off and we would stop and I would go over to our group leader, Gamaliel, and I would say, you know, if you would just let us work through the afternoon, we could catch up. Finally, on the last day, I I went and pleaded with him one more time, knowing we weren't going to get close to finishing and He put his arm around me and he he shared some words with me that I will never forget. He said, Brad, you are not that good of a painter. And when he said those words, I realized he wasn't trying to hurt my feelings. He was trying to tell me that we didn't come all the way down there just to paint pulpits. We came down there for those moments in the afternoon to build relationships, to look other Christians in the eye, Christians who grew up and had different stories than we had, to to hear their stories, to learn how God worked through them, to honor them with our time, and maybe even more so, allow them to honor us with their time. It was in that moment of rest, in that moment of, of, of time off, where we experienced the grace and the love of God in each other through those relationships. 
That's why God calls us to keep this commandment, this gift of the Sabbath, because all the while that we are keeping our head down and our nose to the grindstone, maybe we're missing, missing the work that God is trying to do in us and through us every single day. Maybe we're missing the blessings of the work that abound. Not only the work that we do, but the work that God's trying to do in us every single day. Now, I'll tell you, we could talk about Sabbath for weeks on end. In fact, maybe we could do a sermon series on Sabbath. But instead, today, I want to finish with one final point, And that is that for many people in the world, Sabbath is truly a privilege. There are people like me who get the chance to take a day off when I'm tired and I'm weary. But there are a lot of people out there in the world who don't have that option. They know that if they pause and take a day off, they'll lose a paycheck and they won't be able to pay all their bills. They they'll, won't be able to feed the mouths that they're responsible for. If they take a day off, they will get so far behind that they'll never catch up. And so we might think that Sabbath isn't that important because these people need to make their money so that they can support themselves. But I dare say that doesn't mean at all that Sabbath isn't important. Instead, what it shows us is that we live in a broken world where we treat people like commodities and not like children of God. We live in a broken world where we cannot live out the faith that God has called us to live. We cannot live all the commandments that God has called us to follow because our world is so broken and not as it should be. And every single person, no matter how much money they make or how many days off they can take, every single person is called to receive this gift of Sabbath so that they don't have to try every day to earn their faith or earn their value or earn their worth, but they realize that all of those things are gifts from God because it's in those moments of rest where we receive the gift of faith. We receive the gift of value. We receive the gift of our worth. And we know how much God loves us. I've told you this story too, but it was years ago when I was doing an internship in seminary, I chose to go to a church down in Charleston, South Carolina, because, you know, spending a summer at the beach was just too good to pass up. One of my best friends at the time in seminary, Kevin Day, chose to go to a homeless shelter, a, a Clifton Night shelter in Atlanta. So while I was at the beach, he was working with homeless men there in the city of Atlanta. He was working so hard trying to help them be a pastor to their needs, hearing all of their frustrations and anger about the world. One day he picked up the phone and called me and he said, you know, Brad, I'd really like to bring all of these homeless neighbors to the beach. I've gotten a little money, a donation that someone has given us, and I'd like to rent a bus and bring them down there. We've gotten some, some museums to donate some tickets to us, and we'd just like to come and maybe stay at your church and go down to the beach for a night or two. I thought in the back of my mind, my goodness, that money could be used for, for other things, basic needs, things like food, things like, you know, better cots and blankets and things like that that could make them more comfortable and really help them in their day-to-day. -day. But as his best friend, I said, of course, come on down. They got there on a Friday night just before dinner, but before we went to eat, they all said they wanted to go to the beach. They wanted to see the water. And so we got back on the bus and headed down to Folly Beach right there on the coast of South Carolina. And as we jumped off the bus, I saw a transformation before my eyes. These old grizzled men who had been going through so much turned into small children, overjoyed by the chance to just dig their toes into the sand and see the water and the beautiful, beautiful sunset. 
They were taking off their shoes and digging around, playing in the sand, making sandcastles. One came over to me and said he had never even seen the ocean before. And there was one, in fact, that fully clothed just ran straight into the water, dove head in, and allowed that water to wash over him. And as I was sitting and watching these grown men act like children, my friend Kevin threw his arm around my shoulder and he said, Brad, this is what they needed. They needed rest for their weary souls. Rest from the world and the lives that they live. They needed Sabbath. But we all need Sabbath. We all need days where we take that pause, we take that time out, we take that rest, and we say, thank you, God, for the gifts that you have given us. We need that pause so that we can open our eyes and see all that God is doing around us that we neglect every single day. So that's what Jesus calls us to do. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you, I will give you rest. It's a gift. It's a gift for you and it's a gift for me. And like every other gift, we only truly know its value when we dare to share it with others. So I hope you'll help me as we share it with others today. To the glory of God. Amen.